0: What's up, guys? This is the Mr. Mike Agostino, and this is just a little announcement uh, before the podcast starts. Uh, special thank you to everyone that's stuck with this podcast and that listened during the coronavirus hiatus. Um, it was a it was a lot of fun putting putting some of those episodes together. And then uh, my work, uh, my personal, or I should say my work really took over and I've been unable to record some podcasts for a while now. My makeshift studio has had to be converted into a makeshift office for work purposes. Um, therefore, uh, this the majority of this episode was recorded remotely on a cell phone with a With a low quality headset Uh, I do apologize for the muffled sound The sound quality is not the same That you would come to expect from Mr. Benfica But I hope you enjoy the show
1: further, and as mentioned, it's by no means one way here the support, Benfica have a tremendous
0: following, I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 60 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, coming to you from the United States of America here on the East Coast to everybody out there around the world, all of the Benfica's throughout the world. Um, bringing you this podcast in English once again. And it has been a while since. You've heard from me that's because the last episode, episode 59, dropped back all the way back on April the 16th, almost two months ago, um, when we watched the UEFA Cup final, leg two, where Benfica were were edged by Anderlecht and um we're unable to win the UEFA Cup that day at the old Stade de Luge. I had a lot of fun on that project. I had a lot of fun watching those videos and reading articles. But um, right around that time, my, my work-life balance got flipped on its head. As um, most of you know, I have two jobs, and I now have two incredibly busy jobs. I work in the warehouse all night loading trucks for delivery. Um, from about 12.30 a.m. or 1 a.m. until 9 a.m. And then I work my desk job from 11 to 7.30. It has been quite a grind going on two months of 80-hour work weeks. Very, very difficult, and that's why there haven't been many podcasts, or I should say there hasn't been any podcasts put out in that time. But I am back here with you. It is late on June the 9th, and tonight we're reviewing round 25. Benfica versus Tondela, the reboot of the Liga Nage Portuguese League 2019-2020. Um, Benfica with a chance to go into first place in this one because we know already before the match kicked off that Porto had lost to familico However, Benfica squandered that opportunity and it was a frustrating turn of events. I'm going to try to explain to discuss this with you tonight and I'm going to try to put that into perspective and there's also quite a bit of news this week as we have not had news in two months really on this or longer on this episode as I have been skipping the news when doing the watch-alongs and the 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 classic rewinds um right now Benfica are about 18 hours or so away from taking on Portimonense. I wanted to get this episode dropped in time for you to hear this in time for all the subscribers to get a listen before they go and watch the match with Portimonense on Wednesday. That match of course being played on the road. And um one thing I want to say before we get into the review is I am already tired of hearing about this new football and this new lack of atmosphere and how it's it's more difficult. Well, you know what? It's the same atmosphere or lack thereof for everybody. Yes, Befica's used to having great support, but you know what? That also is added pressure, and Benfica should have responded better to this empty stadium, all right? The problem is everyone told them they had an excuse and they listened. All right, so we really need to stop making such a big deal about this lack of fans. I know a lot of people feel that football without fans is not football, but honestly, football at its purest is 22 players playing each other, even if nobody else is there. That is the purest form of football. That's the football I grew up um, playing and watching in the park. That's the football I used to get on my bike to go see on Saturday and Sunday afternoons when I was a kid. I'd go watch the local amateur or the local ethnic leagues here in uh, here in Massachusetts, where I'd watch Italians play against Ukrainians or watch Portuguese play against Polish in these matches, and there was hardly ever anyone there. Um, no doubt that is still football at its purest sense. So I don't like that expression, that football has no no soul without fans. It's a different form of football, but it is football. And um, I'm enjoying watching uh, without distraction, I guess. The cameras like to distract when there's people in the crowd. Um, it's a different look. It's not the most... Uh, it's not the most entertainment friendly. It's not the most. Um, it's not going to convert, you know, s- football haters into football supporters because it's lacking a lot of the things that people love. But it, at a pure form, in a pure sense, it is still football. It's 11 versus 11 in a ball on a regulation pitch, okay, and the team with the most goals wins. Someone please remind Benfica. Players, coaches, uh, staff, president, that the team with the most goals after 90 minutes wins. All right. You can follow me at Twitter on Bayfica, Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Bayfica, or on Facebook by typing www.facebook.com. And also, um, you can find some of my other stuff at mr. Um. That's going to be getting a reboot in the near future. Uh, I'm going to be doing some stuff with that uh, going forward. Um, some things are in the works right now. There's some discussions going on as to how to improve Benfica.com. All right, sit tight. We're going to pay a bill real quick. Then we're going to have Reconquista. And on the other side of that, it is the news. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the host, Mike Agustino. And I will be right back with the news.
2: Sabes que estamos contigo, nós somos o eterno abrigo. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós a fé que não se explica. Carrega bem, fica, carrega bem, fica. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós a fé que não se explica. Carrega bem, fica, carrega Benfica. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Não se explica, carrega Benfica, carrega Benfica, ouve a nossa voz, que querer de todos nós, de querer de todos nós. Manto ah! sagrado é peso pesado, não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina há um vizinho. Sente o carinho, do Algarve até ao Minho, o vermelho, pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho. Conquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo O querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica. Carrega, Benfica, carrega, Carrega Benfica. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica.
1: And in the news this week here on Mr. Benfica, there's a lot to go over, but I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. I'm going to try to run through it. It's been months since we've talked about the news here on Mr. Benfica. It's been months since the team has taken the pitch. Um, The only team taking the pitch, I should say. The only department in the club still operating right now is the men's football senior team. That's because all other activities have been cancelled for the season. That includes men's and women's basketball, men's and women's futsal, women's football, men's and women's roller hockey, etc. Everything has been cancelled. There are no champions in the other sports. There are no champions at at the other levels of football in Portugal. The FPF deciding only the first division, the Liga Nage, would come back from the COVID-19 Outbreak and decided that there would be a champion crowned. Uh, the Liga Nage has already uh, announced they're promoting Nacional de Madeira and Ferenc to the first division next season, as the two teams were, f- very far, um, were very far ahead of the rest of the field in the second division. I should say this was announced by uh, the Liga, uh, the clubs, not necessarily the federation. Um, as they will be promoting them. And um, as a result of that promotion, the federation has promoted Roca and Vizela from the Campeonato Nacional Seniors, the third level, to the second division for next season. Both of those decisions, though, are being disputed by various parties at this time. Um, there are various clubs at both the second division and the third division, or the, the CNS level, that are, uh, that are seeking... Um, seeking legal counsel and seeking lawsuits to prevent those promotions and subsequent relegations uh, without the matches being played out. So that's something to, to watch for the rest of the summer. Like I said, women's football shut down. Unfortunately there will be no champion this year in women's football. Benfica, of course, were leading the league tied atop the table with Sporting. They were headed to the League Cup final and they were in the semifinals of the Portuguese Cup in women's football. None of those matches and competitions will take place unfortunately. Benfica does get the only women's football Football trophy of the season earlier this year in September in the Super Cup defeating Defending champion Braga, who I guess gets to be defending champion for another season. And now basketball, like I said, is over. Uh, Benfica were in second place and really starting to show some promise, starting to pick up steam to head into the playoffs. But that there will be no playoffs. Um, No plans really in place for next season for any of these sports, and really no plan even for football right now. As we talk about 2020, 2021, Um, we've heard nothing. number of players have left Benfica in men's futsal. Uh, notably, uh, Bruno Cuellu, the captain, and Cheguinha have both left the club. And I'm sure more more of the names you recognize from the that's for those of you that follow it, are going to be rescinded due to the economic impact of this shutdown. Uh, before the match last week, Tuesday, To be exact, Benfica president Luis Felipe Vieira, LFV, took to his own network, took to BTV, and aired a sit-down interview with Elder Condut, which... To be honest, he said absolutely nothing that he hasn't been saying all along. This man um, this man just continues to stay the course, and it, it's frustrating uh, to hear such a little ambition and such a little uh, football understanding from our president. Uh, he talked about Bruno Lige will be the manager for five years that the decision is done. There will be no firing of the manager regardless of the outcome of this season, and I'm not one that's really... Um, a supporter of, of of sacking managers all the time. I don't think that's always the step that needs to be taken. I don't think it's always the right step. Also, again, with the with the economic implications of this shutdown, Benfica do not want to spend the money to buy out the rest of Bruno Lage's contract so for all the excitement um, or should I say all the anticipation from many people looking for a new manager um, I wouldn't count it I wouldn't hold your breath I think Bruno Lage, regardless of what happens here in the last 9 matches will be the manager for Benfica in 2020-2021 um, he also said here Bruno Lage. Uh, I'm sorry Luis Fieras stated yesterday to Avala that um, he When asked about if he's worried about the situation of the team at the moment, he said he would only be worried, and this is in Portuguese, and I quote: Ficava preocupado se Benfica tivesse salários em atraso, baixasse. Ooh, Saladius Oystives, a layoff. He is stating he would only be worried had Benfica uh, failed to pay salaries, if they were behind, if they had, had to lower salaries, or if they had to implement any layoffs. Fortunately, Benfica did not have to implement any of those measures during this COVID-19 shutdown, unlike most of our neighbors. And of course, the big news right now, it can't be avoided. We, we're going to have to touch on it uh, following the nil-nil draw to Tondela that we're going to Talk about in this episode, because a bus was vandalized um, along the highway. I believe, en route back to the Seychelles campus, uh, fans threw stones and bricks at the Befica bus. And Julian Vigel and and Zivkovic were both injured in the in the attack. Zivkovic is seeming to have a, a worse injury, as the two of them. Uh, tweeted a photo of themselves in the in the hospital emergency room. Weigel or Weigel, I should say, I think had more of a a psychological uh, situation. He was evaluated psychologically for the trauma. Remember, of course, Weigel was on the bench. Uh, excuse me, on the bus. <laughs> I should say he was on the bus with his his former club Borussia Dortmund when Dortmund's bus was attacked. Also, with with um with fireworks and explosives, and he—he, uh, he, it took him a while to overcome that trauma, so he is being observed and he's being monitored for uh, the trauma related to this attack. Zivkovic, on the other hand, uh, he, he ended up with some physical injuries. He's back to full training now, so hopefully this is... This isn't going to repeat itself because this is an incredibly embarrassing thing for Benfica. Very embarrassing to be a supporter of this club right now when your own fans, whether it was our fans or not, I should say, not even fans, when people are throwing throwing stones and bricks at buses, and it's a really stupid move. Had had that... that st- Brick been misthrown and gone through the driver's uh, side or the driver's windshield, and, and had it hit the driver or or stunned the driver in any way, uh, that would have compromised the healthy. The, sorry, would have compromised the health of all of the players aboard that bus, and of course later in the night, or I should say around the same time. Vandals did attack the homes of Brunelage, Pezi, Rafa, and Grimaldo with graffiti and threats. Um, whoever did it did sign the NN at the bottom of the message in, inside the circle, of course. The logo for the no-name boys. Now, that, to me, does not mean anything. Anybody can can spray paint two ends and circle them and make it look like somebody else made the attack. So, we need to let the legal system and the the police do their job as... Um, we wait to see what happens when they do get to the bottom of it. But it is a very, very uh, embarrassing moment for Benfica. And this was a very embarrassing return to football for Portuguese football. Remember, on last Wednesday, Porto versus Famalicão, we ran into the situation where um, a clear penalty was not called on Pep. There was also a clear penalty that should have been called against Famalicão as well. Uh, later in the match, so the referee missed both penalty kicks, but the one on Pep was uh, was extremely ridiculous as he, he, the Spanish paper AS noted that he looks like a, looks like a shell of himself and that uh, they used another adjective form of basically calling him a clown and that it's time for him to, to move on. Uh, very embarrassing when this league finally has some of the exposure in Europe and around the world, you're never going to have more eyes on the Portuguese league than you're going to have right now, with with the majority of the leagues shut down. And this is not a good look. Um, Nage has announced they have withdrawn their, or they will be withdrawing their sponsorship deal, or I should say, they're not renewing their sponsorship deal with the league. So the Leonage will lose its its name at the end of the season as the naming rights. Uh, will not be renewed by, by Naj, I should say. And who can blame them? It's not a good look for them with everything that's going on in this league. Um, between violence, between you know, racial abuses that happened this season between attacks on buses, between hanging dolls from viaducts, Um, really bad publicity for Naj, and I think that is why they are pulling out of it. All right, let's go to the scores for match day 25, and I'm going to pull them up right now in just one minute, and I will read it to you. Going back last week, the round began on June the 3rd on Wednesday with Portimonense winning at home 1-0 over Gil Vicent. Of course, big victory for Famalicão at home 2-1 over league leaders Porto. Uh, at least league leaders at the time. Technically, not the league leader right now, but in reality, the league leader, and that is because that is because the head-to-head tiebreaker only takes. Place once every team has played every team. So only at the end of the season does that take place. So for right now, Benfica is at top of the table on goal difference, but that's really um, not the case. They're not top of the table. Um, on June the 4th, the next day, we continue in the Madeira Island. At the empty Stadio dos Barreiros, as you'll remember, uh, Maritimu's president m- made a very strong extra effort to keep the home games on the island. Also, Maritimu's president speaking up and basically blocking the the rule change to allow for five substitutions, And as it was not unanimous. Unanimous, excuse me, it was not able to be implemented. Thanks to the president of Marítimo, which I'm sure he has his own reasons. Marítimo 1-1 on the day on June 4th uh, at home with Vitória Stubal of course, Benfica nil-nil with Tondela, and Vitória Guimarães hosting Sporting 2-2 all draw in the first capital of Portugal. The Conquistadores take a take a point and stay in the hunt for that final Europa League spot on June the 5th two more matches Santa Clara at home at their borrowed home at the Cidad football winning 3-2 over the, inf- the or I should say previously very in form Spartan Braga and later that day Desportivo de Aves nil Code City Blues or Burlanes Sad 2 June 6th Boavista nil Morenes 1 and On June the 7th, the final game of the round, the Rio 2, Passage de Fajeda 3. So all of the top seven teams, only Fumly Coe picked up a victory uh, in the round. Fumly Coe is a bit on fire right now, and they're pushing for 4th and 5th place. Alright, that's it for the news. I'm sure there's plenty that was left out, but there's only so much we can fit in the show. When we come back, we're going to start to break down this match from round 25. Benfica versus Tondela at the Stadio de Luz. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode sixty. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu You can follow me at Twitter at Benfica Mr. On. Facebook uh, by searching Mr. Benfica or going to www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica on Instagram at Mr. Benfica and also don't forget to check out or visit Mr. let's not waste any more time let's get right into it all right we are at the empty de Luz, but with about 21,000 scarves in attendance um It is June the 4th, as you know, and we're going to start with the starting lineups. First, for the visitors, Tondela, coached by the Spaniard Nacho González. Portugal international Claudio Ramos is the goalkeeper. The four across the back. Marco Petkovic is the right back. Felipe Sampaio and and French-born Portuguese defender Johan Tavares are the central back pairing, while Felipe Fajeda is the left back. In midfield, we have... On the right, former Benfica player Johnny Morillo. We have João Pedro uh, partnering with Pepelu, And Richard is the left-sided midfielder with Ruben Fonseca and Ricardo Valente starting as the strikers in this match for Befica in their 4-4-2 customary. Not much has changed. You know, Bruno just had three months to look at the squad, but unfortunately not much changes here. Um, Odie is the goalkeeper, as always. The Greek international between the pipes for Benfica. The right back returning to the league action is Andre Almeida. The centre back pairing there's a small change. Ruben Dias now partnering with Jardel in this match. Uh, as Fehu was dropped, and the left side defensive player, the left side, the left back is the Spanish player Alex Grimaldo. Midfield. Um, With four in midfield on the right side as always is PZ. Julian Weigel and Gabriel are the option for the pair in the center of midfield by Bruno Leisch And Rafa is on the left up front We have Adel Terapt playing in behind My cousin Vinny, Cardouche, Vinicius Alright, let's get into the action And it didn't start that great Um there were some things in this half I think that that you know brought to some concern but right off the bat you had a real golden opportunity maybe the best opportunity of the entire game comes in the second minute when Ra- or the first minute I should say when Rafa walks in on goal the ball gets worked around it ends up on the feet of Carlos Vinicius who fakes the shot and plays a Rafa in on a semi-breakaway and the Portugal international attempts a left-footed shot but it is saved by the outstretched leg of Claudio Ramos and um, at this point I was feeling okay I thought I thought that was a good start. I thought Benfica were going to come out looking for something. But um, Benfica would have another chance here in the ninth minute. It would be Jardel this time. A header from the center of the box. It was close, but missed right you know, on a corner kick. The ball had been delivered by um, Benfica's Benfica controlling the play, but that's a little bit by design. As Tondela looked very look very uninterested in possessing themselves, look very uninterested in going forward. They look like they want to close the passing lanes, hold their deep lines, alright, playing with a four-four-two today, not with a line of five but they held deep lines and Benfica lacking creativity in my opinion, uh, lacking imagination to get in between those lines and to get any kind of offensive production. A lot of, there were a lot of opportunities in this match. The stats will speak for themselves, however, many of these were not very good opportunities, um, and Mefika always lacking something in the final delivery. Um, it one of the problems that I'm that I saw in this in this uh, especially in this first half. Okay, is that everyone's excited to see Terapt play as a supporting forward? Okay, um, Terapt is maybe the best passer of the ball we have in the squad. Very good dribbler. Needs that open space to operate in. Unfortunately, what happened is Tarap was only really receiving the ball with his back to goal, and he's a much better player and a much better uh, threat running at goal, facing goal, than he is facing his own end. Um, and Watching through, it's a little bit of him not opening his body up correctly in order to turn when receiving, and a little bit of... of the players in midfield not delivering the right service to Tarap so that he can turn and go at goal more often. A lot of times he's being jammed with bad passes and with a man on his back unable to turn he's forced to play the ball back and then it gets worked around a little bit and they would get the ball wide and what would happen all too predictably all afternoon is the ball would find its way to either Grimaldo or to Andre Almeida and then they whip in crosses to the lone striker when he's got four defenders Around him. Uh, This is something that kept going on and on and on and on in this match, and it was frustrating because it's as if there hadn't been a three month break in the action. It's as if this team had just played yesterday because they played exactly the same way they played three months ago when the league was suspended. Um the selection of Jardel is an interesting one but he played fine. Um perhaps it's with all this time off and with all this specific training and all this personal training that that uh, that Jardel found his way back into the team remember now Ferru struggling really really badly at at the uh at the point where the league was suspended, he was having bad game after bad game. Not so sure um, why he was not able to recover and find his way back into the team now three months later. But Bruno Laje went with with Jardel, and I think that was the right decision um, as he played fine. And, and it was not because of Jardel that Benfica did not score a goal uh, as there was a clean sheep kept, which is always good. Odi was not called into action, pretty much at all. All, um, all match, he made one save that was that was, to some degree of difficulty, but but all in all, he was a spectator. Um, Rafa really non-existent in the in the first half. Rafa and PZ, the outside players, very predictable again, and it the way Benfica are trying to force crosses, Rafa. Doesn't do you any good playing against, you know, out on the left. Um, He was unable to create shooting chances for himself. So then what happens is every time down pitch, you would get a... You would get another overlap from Grimaldo. It would be play after play after play. Grimaldo with the overlapping run, the ball goes to Grimaldo. He forces a cross. They got on the on the end of a few of them, but for the most part, very easy to defend. And Tundelo were well prepared for this match. They studied Benfica well, and Benfica, in in uh, to their to their detriment, really did nothing to change their look. Um, you did have some good play in this first half from Urien Weigel as uh, he was playing in that traditional number six role. And listen, not not many people like what they see from him, but you got to understand that um, no matter who plays in that position for the past three, four, five years, that has been how that position has played at Benfica, regardless of the manager, regardless of the system, The it's he's it's a third central defender. That's that's what that player functions as. Viegle's passing was 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 pretty good in this match, and his long balls were good. He he hit some good diagonals. Um, he was he was growing in the match as the match went on, and momentum was was beginning to accumulate. And this was this was for me Uli and Weigel's best match as a Benfica player. Uh, unfortunately nothing to show for it because the ball would get you know, he would get to his teammates and they would get to a certain point in the attack and then run into a yellow wall and really not one player with the with the creativity or the imagination to create something into to put To put Tondela off balance, and give Befica better chances at goal. Befica had chances, but they didn't have good chances. They weren't very good chances. Um, A couple saves from Claudio Ramos, but a lot of the shots were very much, as we say in Portuguese, a figura, right at him. Um, We did hit the bar a couple times in this match, but really... uh, The sour taste that's left after this match, I don't doubt that had one of these gone in, had had Rafa scored that goal right in the first minute, we could have easily scored three or four because it would have forced Tondela to open up and we got a lot more chances. And those are the games that Bayfuga does well on where they score first and they continue to attack. Now... That, there hasn't been much of that this season, but when it does happen, that's where Befica is at their best. And with every missed or squandered opportunity, the pressure seemed to increase, and Befica were less and less composed in front of goal as the match went on. Um, regardless of the fact that they didn't have fans in the stadium, because had they had fans on the stadium, th- this crowd would have turned on this team a lot quicker, I think, with the the, the very slow nature of play, like, I know that the players have been away. There haven't been any matches. They had no, no friendly matches to prepare for this. They had what was the equivalent of a layoff longer than they're used to between seasons. Okay. They had a layoff longer than what they're used to between seasons. And it's like going from one season to the next without any, any, training matches, without any friendly matches, except now you're coming into a 10-match season in which every match is a match you have to win, all right, Benfica, knowing Porto lost the night before, really failed to bring the emotion that I think this match called for, and I don't want to hear people say that it's because, you know, there was no fans, once you give professional athletes an excuse, they will take it, you give them a little, you 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 give them an inch, they take the mile, a mile, as we say here in the United States, or just enough rope to hang themselves is also an expression because uh, that excuse seemed to be way too convenient and the team lacked intensity. Now, like I said, I understand the fitness not being there, but the ball movement should be quick. The ball should be doing more of the movement. The players... um, you know, are not fit enough to run hard for 90 minutes, no player in this league right now is at that level of fitness, it's impossible to hit that by yourself at home, or even in the short, you know, reduced trainings, or the reduced group trainings that the teams have been doing, there was really, um, I had no expectation of seeing a well played match here, but I did expect, uh, fire. I expected more fire. expected urgency from Afika and it just didn't seem to come. And some of that is on the manager. He, he's laid back and I understand it. A lot of times that is a, a positive but when the team is struggling the way this one ha- is and when after a three month layoff this is the best effort that the players can put on the field some of that does reflect on the manager either not selecting the correct squad or not motivating the squad properly or um Appropriately, I should say, and yes, they're professionals. They need to. They need to have a much better professional performance than this. They shouldn't. They should not require someone to say something to to motivate them. Okay, they've been on this. They've been away from the game. Okay, they've been locked up in their homes. There this should, this should have been a hunger to play like never before in this match, and it just wasn't there. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and talk about the, the second half a bit, all right? And then um, we'll wrap it up after that. This is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode because, as you know, by the time you listen to this, you'll probably uh, be either moments away from Benfica's match on the road in round 27 at Portimonense on Wednesday, or you will have already seen it, okay, so we're going to take a quick break here, and on the other side, we're going to talk about the second half.
3: era para Vinícius. Existe ainda Grimaldo. Perde para Mourinho. Está a arrancar. Vai lá já fazer de tempão o médio alemão Weigel. E Muito bem, o Weigel. O no internacional alemão neste lance. E a alteração do lado do Benfica. Vamos ver quem sai. É Weigel. Julian Weigel. Sacrificado nesta fase do jogo. O Benfica vai baixar Tarabte. E vai apostar na dupla de tanques na frente de ataque. Vinícius e Diak-Sousa. o Diago Souza. Sim, agora, agora é abdicar do, do médio e jogar com dois, com dois avançados. Uh, o Weigel, para mim, estava bem no jogo. Nesta fase. Nesta fase
2: uh,
3: e o, o Bruno a apostar tudo ali na frente do ataque, colocando o Diego
2: Souza mais perto do Vinícius.
1: And welcome back to episode 60 of Mr. Benfica. All right, we're talking Benfica versus Tondela. And now um, both teams here in the second half send out the same t- the same 11 for each team. So the same 22 players take the pitch here at the start of the second half that finished it. So it will kick off with... with Condela kicking off here, and uh, the second half gets going, and Befica slowly but surely, within the first five minutes or so, start to gain some momentum. They start to combine better, okay? The combination play is starting to work better, and I'm starting to like this combination here of, of Weigel, Gabriel, and and Tarapt in midfield. Um as Trapt is starting to work his way back uh, between the lines rather than playing so high right behind Carlos Vinicius. But you're starting to see more combination. The balls are still getting knocked wide. And, um, you know, between PZ under Almeida on the right side, between the two of them, I don't know how many bad crosses there were in this match. There were a whole ton of bad crosses. And... um, really I'm really really getting tired of seeing this team take the field and just launch twenty bad crosses a match. They're not even they're not even directing the ball anywhere. They're just whipping them in and it's almost always going right to where a defender is lined up. These defenses know what they're facing. Alright and again, Kyle Vinitius is pretty much alone in the box and it makes absolutely no sense to be to be launching in crosses to one striker against four. And Vinicius is not that much of an aerial threat. He's not even really suited for that type of game. That's not the way I'd like... I want to see this team attack. There needs to be more combination play. Need to get Tadapta more involved. he did not get him involved at all in the first half outside of a couple plays here and there. And then in the second half, um, they start to get him involved more, and he starts to distribute. Rafa starts to come inside a little bit more as well and starts to find some more space. He starts to get some shooting opportunities. But... Um the shock comes and you heard it there at the top of the segment you heard the sound of the play by play when surprisingly Uyen Weigel is is substituted off and i really lost my mind at this moment because as i'm seeing the game okay and as i'm watching Benfica in that 7 or 8 minute span, right before Vidal is uh, subbed off. They are playing probably their best football of the match there. They're combining. Vidal is finding his teammates. He's starting to find Tarapt. He's starting to find Gabriel. Okay, Gabriel, far from match fit. It's been, what, like 6 months since he's played? Um... This substitution made zero sense to me in reality. It's the type of substitution you make when you're playing FIFA or you're playing football manager, all right? Um it's the classic swap, and you heard the, the you heard them there on commentary saying classic swapping of a midfielder for a forward. But it's not what the game was calling for. Benfica were starting to to operate better. They were starting to take more control deeper in, into Tonella's end of the pitch. Benfica starting to create chances, and in fact, before he comes off, Freigel knocks a very nice forty to fifty yard uh, diagonal ball right on point to Grimaldo's left foot in stride, okay, he tries to get the cross in, the cross gets cleared, and it is Vigal who makes about a 30-yard sprint and a sliding tackle to win the ball back for Mefica, playing it off of the Tundela player, I think it was I think it was João Pedro, I'm not sure. But I believe that's, if my memory serves me correct, it was Joao Pedro that um, Weigl tackled for the ball. Wins the throw in back, and then you see the look on his face as his number is called. And Brutalage here makes, to me, a bad substitution, okay? And I know a lot of you get mad that he doesn't substitute enough. This is a case where this match was not calling for a substitute at this point, okay? Um, he brings on Diego Souza, brings on a forward, removes the holding mid, And my biggest problem with this, besides the fact that Weigel was not the player that needs to come off at this moment, Weigel was doing his job exactly as, as, you know, exactly as you would expect him to, and he's the one circulating the ball, he's the one finding people's feet, and now you're dropping Gabriel, a player who I just said is not match fit, it was clear, this man should not be going 90 minutes, no, we drop we drop Gabriel from his normal box-to-box midfield role because he's tired into a holding midfield role. And I know why. It's because he's got this idea about the long balls. And he, he drops Tarap to midfield, which that part of the equation, I think, was the right thing to do at that time because Tarap was not getting the service. He was not dangerous enough playing that far up the pitch. He needs to start from further back and have the attack in front of him. Alright, so that part of it was fine, but the problem is you dropped Gabriel to a holding mid, and Bruno Live said after the match that that it was the obvious substitution to make because the two central defenders were holding it down so well that there was no need to put a player in that spot, in that number 6 role, but he put Gabriel right in the same exact role. So I don't know what he's talking about. He even goes on to say that the team improved from there forward. To me... And I, watching this live and watching it again this is the moment Befica's rhythm and Befica's momentum is destroyed okay they struggle for the next Several chunks of minutes in that next phase of the match. They really struggled to get going. Um, they've lost the one that is that is really pulling the strings there. And you start getting a tired Gabriel who just starts launching long balls. And none of them were effective. They're all being won by defenders. Horrible substitution. I have to put this one on Bruno Laj. Okay. Um, this was an invention. Or he was just making a classic substitution, again, like you're playing a video game. Because what this did, this killed the whole dynamic of the team. This killed the whole structure uh, of the lineup. The system of play was broken. Bringing Diego Souza on is fine. I see why he went to two forwards, because we're not getting anything out of Vinicius by himself. And you had to drop Terapt. The substitution should have been Diego Souza for Gabriel. For me, Gabriel was gassed at this point. Gabriel not ready to play. Uh, This many minutes and you all know how high I am on Gabriel. This is one of my favorite players. I love what he brings to this team when fit. Okay, he's a shell of that right now. I thought that 55 minutes was more than enough for him in this one. That's the substitution that should have been made. And also PZ completely disappeared from this match he, it's as if he wasn't even on the pitch okay all his crosses are blocked his passes are, are poorly made and I'm not trying to, to harp on the player again I said way way back after the last match we reviewed way way back three months ago I said the problem we have with Peasy is that Peasy is an average player that can for chunks of time play way above his ability and look like a real legitimate superstar unfortunately, we're not getting that peasy right now. in fact, we're getting a little bit less than average version of peasy, but part of it is because his confidence is shot um, He made that ridiculous claim in the in the press three months ago at the time that the league was was suspended that he was in the best form of his season he had just missed penalty kicks in back to back matches okay three ma- I believe he missed three penalty kicks in two matches when the when the the season was shut down. And again, he just plays all the time. Um, another substitution that could have been made here, that could have given Mefica a different look, would have been to bring in Chervi, put Chervi on the left, sub out Gabriel. I still say Gabriel is the player that needs to, either Gabriel or Pizzi, needed to be the players to come out at this point. You could move Rafa either to the right or to play him in into that gap there between the midfield and the attack. let let Tarap to find space and let Tarap create space for Rafa to run into. And then Rafa from there can either shoot or distribute and give himself opportunities and his teammates opportunities. But that's not what happened. Instead, we just pull our holding mid and bring on a forward. And we didn't change anything about our, our look. We, we just shifted a couple pieces around instead of making one change with the substitution. We made two changes, uh, or even three because Rafa started to find himself way more inside, and it looked like we went to a four-three-three rather away from the four-two-two or a four. It's more of a four-three-one-two, and Rafa plays that role very well in behind two forwards. But it just wasn't the night that, that anything was going to come of it. Diego Souza, of course, has the best chance of the second half when the a corner kick from from Pizzi, his outswinger finds. Diego Souza, he heads it on goal, but it is it is cleared off the line by the Tondela defender. In the 65th, Tadap sees yellow for a bad foul. Tadap starting to tire out, understandable. Again, it's been a long time since they've played. The legs aren't there. They did not pace themselves in this match. And what's happening is the players are not playing intelligently enough, in my opinion, for um, the circumstances that they face. All right, They waste a lot of energy, I think, and they don't make they just don't execute things well when they're tired and you know it was a real frustrating second half because i really still say that the momentum of the of the match and the the rhythm Befica were playing with was completely lost with that substitution. In the 70th, it will be Tondela going to the benches. Antonio Xavier comes on. Ricardo Valent comes off. It's a defensive player for an attacker. The exact opposite of what of what Bruno Leij did. And Bruno, Bruno Leij's substitution of adding a forward and... Ri- and taking out a midfielder also has a negative effect in that it just prompts the other team to slide in another defense minded player and sit their lines even deeper and make it even more difficult for Befica to create any quality opportunities. We got another substitution in the seventy third minute, and at this point, I lost my mind again because my first my first instinct was no he's gonna go to three for, as we see Seferovic ready to come in not not the substitution I wanted to see here um I thought that i thought that bringing him in here changed nothing again except you get a player that has a little bit more aerial ability but he's he's Less of a poacher and you get you get Seferovic coming in for Vinicius. I don't like this change. Uh, again, I, I told you just now the change I would have made here was it was time to bring on it was time to bring on Chervi and take off PZ. He didn't do that. Alright, he could have done that with fifteen minutes to play. He didn't do it. Okay, Rafa could have been moved to the right side. And then you can get crosses from Rafa. Rafa's maybe the best crosser on the team along with Grimaldo. Um, And Grimaldo not having a good game in terms of crossing, in terms of of just attack play. Um, And part of that is because Tondela sat so deep and he's running into so much traffic. But, again, this was another substitution. For me, the manager got wrong. And he would... No, the next substitution now comes 3 minutes late on the 77th as once again Tonella counter their substitution with one of their own and another another it's a defender for a defender as Pete comes in to replace Felipe Ferreira and it's a more defense minded defender coming in uh, versus the traditional outside wing back that is Felipe Ferreira so Pete comes in and provides a more cover Befica really get nothing going they get a couple chances here but Nothing too dangerous, and now what we'll do is we'll fast forward, and we have one more substitution as Jota comes on for PZ finally at the eighty. I think it was at the eighty-second minute. Not enough time for the youngster to make a difference, and here's the problem: you bring him on with eight minutes to play, and he's under the impression he has to do something. So instead of you know playing playing rationally or playing you know a thoughtful. A thoughtful shift. It's short time. He tries to do something, you know, he tries to do too much, I should say. And Rafa, I should say, Jota had one of the better chances, but again, his left-footed shot ended up nowhere near the goal. And um, it's tough for the kid. He's not, he's yet to be put in in a good situation by Bruno Leij in the season and a half now or a year and a half I should say almost a season and a half that he's been a part of this first this first team he's yet to really be put in, in in a situation to succeed he's always being brought in in desperate moments and he's a player that needs a lot more repetitions he gets very little playing time and then with the match on the line you're going to bring him on to do the to play in the right corridor where PZ was playing okay and you have the same problem okay he can't same problem with is he? It's hard for him to set up his shot because his strong foot is not on the inside. So he can't play as an inverted winger, even though that's exactly what he lines up as and tries to play with Almeida overlapping him. But the ball ends up on his weaker left foot. He lost the ball several times as a result or he took bad shots. Um, and and you know the refere the, the time will tick away and the lack of urgency never seemed to come out of these players. And you can have a list in here where the referee blows for full time.
3: The Agora o Jota, mete zona de perigo, está, com disse, cansado Rafa, perde a bola e acabou. Final do encontro no Estádio da Luz, o Benfica não aproveita a derrota do Porto para se isolar na liderança. Cola-se ao Porto com os mesmos 60 pontos da tabela classificativa, mas é um resultado insuficiente para assumir isolado a liderança. Com os mesmos 60 pontos do Porto, o Porto continua na frente porque tem vantagem no confronto direto. O Benfica sai daqui com uma enorme frustração porque volta a marcar passo nesta liga. É um campeonato diferente, num contexto completamente diferente a partir de agora porque estamos a falar de contexto de jogos sem público. Ontem o Porto sentiu isso, hoje o Benfica sente isso. E realmente faltou aqui aquela força que vem das bancadas, apesar de o Benfica mesmo com essa força nos jogos anteriores não ter conseguido uh, vitórias uh, nos últimos jogos. Portanto, tentava-os quebrar uh, e aproveitar o resultado do Porto, não conseguiu e a verdade é que sai daqui com os mesmos 60 pontos uh, e tudo em aberto para as últimas nove jornadas, porque eu tinha dito uh, quando o Benfica aqui empatou com o Moreirense, na altura, não sei se lembras, mas eu disse que as duas equipas iriam perder pontos provavelmente
2: até ao fim. E a
1: Elder conduit for BTV there with the call at the final whistle. And Benfica squandered two more points. Uh, they dropped two more points. One win for Benfica in their last nine in all competitions now. And this is a very, very frustrating time to be a Benfica fan because once again, another opportunity to go into first place and to take control of our own destiny squandered. Um... Really, this league should have been clinched already. With all the points that Porto have dropped, uh, Benfica should have—they should be six, seven points ahead at this point—but they're not because they continue to drop points um, in bad fashion. Okay, again, this wasn't the worst game they've played, but it wasn't enough. With ten matches to go to the end of the to the end of the season, you know, playing well doesn't mean anything right now. I think back to the match, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, with the return of the Bundesliga. It was uh, we had the match between das Kla- the das Klassiker. You had Dortmund hosting Bayern Munich, and yeah, everyone's raving about how well Dortmund played and they they were the better team on the field. But guess what? They still lost. I see a lot of parallels between Dortmund and BeFica, except Dortmund played. F- far better football, no. But the, but the mission of the club is the same. They both want to rely on young players and they want to promote from within. They don't want to spend money on on transfers when possible. Okay, um, they try to play well. They outplay the opponent, sure. Whatever. But at the other end, you have Bayern Munich, and this is what I want Bayfica to be. Even when they're playing like crap, with the season on the line, and they haven't connected you know, all match, that they can string together five passes in, in a small space of time, create a shot, and create the opportunity to put the goal in, to knock the ball into the goal, to score a goal that decides the match and ultimately decides the season. Bayern Munich are going to be champions of Germany because they made the most of the one opportunity they had against uh, Dortmund in that match. Benfica here, an insane amount of of uh, shots. Uh, we'll hit this. We'll go over the stats in just a minute. But an insane amount of shots. They didn't play gr- terrible. They didn't play great, but they didn't play terrible. But you know what? I don't care about that right now. Benfica needs to put the ball in the goal. I don't know what this team trains at what do they practice when they train to possess to possess against a team that's not interested in having the ball because that's 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 what happened here they they created a lot of chances they couldn't finish that just isn't going to cut it they need to be more effective they need to be more efficient if Benfica wants to win the league, and in my opinion, no team deserves to be league champion this year in the Nash. I think had, had the league decided to shut down and not crown a champion, that would have been fair and deserved because neither one of these teams, neither Benfica nor Porto, deserve to be champions. Neither one of them are playing like champions. Neither one wants to take control of this league. Neither one wants to close it up. I mean, you get a golden opportunity where Porto dropped All three points to to family cow. You come in with the win, you take the lead in the league, and all you got to do is see out the rest of your results. Granted, Porto and Befica both going to still drop a lot of points, I think, in these last nine matches. This isn't going to be like last season, where they run off streaks of wins, 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 wins. There's nothing right now to hint to that possibility. There's nothing right now that can make you believe that Befica are now going to turn around and go win nine matches straight and compete for this title. Because, you know what? That might not even be good enough, but I don't see it happening. I don't see Befica winning nine. I don't see Porto winning nine. Uh, Befica's... Still has to go to, to Family Cow. Because he's got a tough match on Wednesday at at uh Portimonis. Alright. They've got Portimonis is fighting for survival. Okay, and Condela has shown the blueprint as to to face Benfica, how to uh, approach them, how to organize your team. They're going to sit deep, and they're going to do everything they can. They're going to hold on for dear life to try to get a precious point. Benfica are going to have to break them down. They're going to have to be more creative. And I'd like to see a little bit of a change in the dynamic of the team. I think he needs to use some different players. Um, it doesn't always have to be the same ones. But really, Lage is in... He is in desperate need of a good performance from a management standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. He needs to coach a good match. He has not done that in a long time. And like I said, the president has guaranteed his job, and I'm not necessarily calling for removing him. I still want to see this guy grow into the manager that we thought he could be last year. But clearly... He didn't do enough. Home- either didn't do enough homework in this three-month absence that he's had, or this three-month hiatus. Or maybe he's just not seeing it, because he's saying in- he's saying in the press all the time that the team's done fine and that things uh, things you know uh, were planned correctly. It just didn't work out. Whatever you want to say, he wants to say they're unlucky. And I really am starting to question what match he's watching, or is he being truthful? Is he being honest with himself and with the press and with his players? The president gave the players a tongue lashing after this match. Ironically, after two players had been, you know, assaulted with with stone from inside the bus um, by fans, the president saw that as a good time to try to lay down the hammer. He's makes the president makes a lot of valid points in that rant. The club has given them everything they need to succeed. No, the club has not put the best possible team on the pitch. Not at all. They have failed in transfers. They have, they're have. they not willing to spend enough money. Um, it seems like every purchase they make is with the intention of a resale, whether it's Weigel, whether it's Pedrinho, who we won't see until next season, whenever that is. Whether it's RGT... The idea was to is when they go into the market seems to be to get players that have resale value. What this team needs is leaders. Once again, Andreas Samaris, exiled from this team. One of the true leaders, one of the true characters of this team. One of the building blocks not even called because brutalise has this rule where holding you don't bring more than one one midfielder to a match has something happened to Weigel? i guess his idea is to bring bring gabriel into that spot and i hate seeing gabriel in that spot that's the last place i want to see him play he cannot play his game in that spot and now he doesn't bring you any more than Weigel does. In fact, he brings you less. And he doesn't even bring you what he normally brings you in his normal, more traditional number eight, more box-to-box role. If he's not fit to do his job, he shouldn't be on the pitch taking someone else's who was doing their job in this case. If it's not Weigel, you've got Samadish, you've got Florentino. Why is Florentino like in exile as well? Milan fancy the kid. We hear today that, that Real Madrid fancy him. But he's not good enough to play for, for Befica? He's not good enough to be an option off of the bench? What if Befica were winning this match and something happened to Weigl in an injury? You're going to play an attacking mid in the holding mid role. You're going to bring in a central defender and put him there? I don't like right now what Bruno Laj is doing and maybe this is the most critical I've been of him since he's joined the team or maybe there's something there that we don't know about maybe his hand is being forced somehow I've always been suspicious because you do not just learn, you do not just forget how to manage from one season to the next okay last year I think he was given complete autonomy and complete freedom and he made changes when they needed to be made and he inserted players at the right time. He was thinking outside the box. This year, he just goes back to the same thing over and over and over and over. No matter how many times it doesn't work, he just goes to the same plan. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. That's how the cliche goes, something along those lines. That's what I'm seeing from Bruno Leis. And I'm wondering, why are, you know, who's in his ear? Where's Nelson Verissimo? Johnny the Conceição, Pietra, where are these these assistant coaches? Are they offering any feedback? Are they being shut out of feedback? Or is someone else calling the shots? Is the starting 11 based on transfer value? Or is it based on what the match calls for and the characteristics that you need for the players that are going to play that match? Let's hear from Adel Tarapt in the post-game press conference, right here. Here, oh, I should say, in the flash interview with Luis Costa Branco. This is Adel
3: Taarabt. Agora, o tom dela. What was the main difficult today in the game? I think we entered well to the match. And I think if we score the first half, first 20-30 minutes, it's a completely different game. Difficult, ten behind the ball, and we push, 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 but the ball didn't want to enter. So we are disappointed with the result. Lots of opportunities to to score today. Yeah, of course. We know if we score uh, the first 30 minutes, first half, it's a different game. And then after they they, they believe, they all defend, and it was difficult. But we are disappointed, but we have to keep going. Nine more games and... uh, we will call it all how it was to play in uh, an empty stadium. Ah, of course, we miss our fans. That's for sure. But like I said, it's not an excuse. But let's go nine
2: games, and uh, we will give all to be to be a champion. Okay, thank you.
1: So no translation needed there, as Adele Taarabt speaks to BTV in English. And those were his his uh, thoughts at the end of the match. Um, and he 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 sums it up. They you know the ball wouldn't go in. There's a little bit of that, but I still don't think that um, Befica did enough to create enough opportunities. Yes, they didn't deserve to drop points because the simple fact that Tondela did not do much in this match. But then again, Tondela sat with with two deep lines and they they limited uh, Befica's quality opportunities. They didn't limit the opportunities per se, but they limited the real quality ones. Let's go to the goal point here and let's take a look at what we've got. As I pull it up here for you guys. All right, so we'll start with the visitors, Tondela. This is the goal point ratings, an overall team average of a 5.02. The goalkeeper, Claudio Ramush, is 6.1 in goal. There, Um, Philippe Freire, the left back, 4.9. Johan Tavares 4.9. Philippe. 4.7 and Petkovic is a 5.6 down the right Um, the whole we got Ricardo Valente, 4.0. Pepe Lu, 5.3. João Pedro, a 5.6. And Johnny Morillo a 4.7 for the Venezuelan down the right side. And uh, Richard with 4.3. Ruben Fonseca, 4.3 for their substitutions. Jonathan Toro, 5.6. And... um, chevier 4.7 and pete 5.4 Befica's 11 starting with vlacodimos odi with a 5.2 not much for him to do in this match mayfica also an average rating of 6.39 in this match with 2.1 expected goals in this match if you're not familiar with that with that statistic, the expected goals is the situations. Um, when you bring in the number of situations in which you have a chance to score, they should have scored 2.1 goals, um, or you would expect them to score 2.1 goals in this match. It's a good statistic. Um, and it shows Benfica should have won this match. They squandered the points, and they lead. now they're at the mercy again and looking for help from another team. Again, Odi, 5.2. Andre Almeida, 5.2. Not a good day for Andre Almeida as the right back. Ruben Díaz is the highest-rated player of the match, according to Gold Point with a 7.6. Jardel, a 7.0 in his return, in Grimaldo, a 7.2. Easy with a 6.8. Weigel only given a 6.5, but remember that takes minutes into account. He had a 6.5 after 54 minutes. So that was a good performance from Uy and Weigel. And I'm not the only one saying this. Listen to the other Benfica podcasts out there. The Benfica podcast. Listen to Visão Vermelha, Benfica FM. If you listen to the Benfica Independent Rescaldo um, after the match, uh, Weigel was the best player on the team at the time he was subbed out most of us agree with that uh gabriel earning a 7.0 rafa only a 6.0 carlos renisius with a low 5.5 for himself interrupt with a 6.5 substitutions Um, or substitutes, I should say, Diego Souza with a 7.0, maybe making a case that he may be the one that that deserves to start the next match in Portimo in the Algarve. Seferovic off the bench with a 4.0, no rating for Jota. he didn't play long enough to earn a rating. We'll look at the statistics now, and we got shots, Befica winning that battle, running away 26 shots to four, with five of those shots on goal. Again, that's where you get the expected goal of at least 2.1, Goals at the very minimum, they should have had one. They should have won this game. Here's another alarming stat that just um, that just tells you how wasteful Benfica were in this match. Uh, Shots from inside the penalty area, eighteen to one in favor of Benfica. that's a lot of shots from inside the area. Unfortunately, a couple of them forced good saves, so most of them were not dangerous. They were right at Claudio Ramos, or they were over or off target. Um pass efficiency Benfica 87% to Tondela's 75%. While in the vertical pass, the efficiency of the vertical pass 74% for Benfica, 57% for Tondela. Uh duels one 70 duels for Benfica were 1 to 45 for Tondela. If you are working Tondela in duels, but then again that is to be expected. Tondela commits 13 fouls to Befica's 11, and another red flag here, another alarming stat. Benfica with 14 corner kicks in this match and nothing to show for it. Tondela with none. Benfica with 65% uh, possession versus the 35% of Tondela. Like we said, Ruben Diaz winning the uh, the highest rated or the man of the match, Um from the goal point technology and he had one shot off of the bar he he had four aerial duels winning three of them he made three passes for a shot he set up three shots which is a good a good average a lot of those are his his now trademark uh crosses where he takes you know he takes the ball about 10 yards or 10 meters past midfield on the right side and then fires a diagonal cross to the edge of the goal area, to the edge of the small box, where if you either do or don't get on the end of it. Um, 12, 12 progressive uh, correct passes, so 12 forward passes that were, were connected. He attempted seven long passes and... Connected on five, and he recovered possession nine times, giving him the top rating in this match. Again, a 7.6. All right, let's go to the standings now. As, uh, we begin to wrap it up here for this week. All right. We are in the Liga Nage. Like we said, the Primera Liga and the table looks like this. Remember that the head to head goal, the head to head tiebreaker only takes place after all the teams have played each other, after all teams have faced off. So elders, Calder Kundu, Elder Kundu's comment there that you heard at the end of the final whistle, though technically, Correct. Uh, I should say is technically incorrect, though in reality it is. It is spot on. You've got Benfica and Porto, each with 60 points. Both sides with 19 wins, three draws, and three defeats. Benfica head on goal difference with a 38 goal difference. Again, that only keeps them ahead until the season is complete. At that point, the head-to-head uh, tiebreaker takes precedent. Braga is third on 46 points. Sporting is. Th- is fourth on 43 points from Malikon, now with 43 as well as they won earlier today and they have an extra match played. they've played 26 now they have 43 points and they're in fifth Vitori Guimarães is sixth with 38 and Chihuahua right behind him also with 38 but with seven less goals uh, in the goal difference Eighth place is with 33 points. Santa Clara, ninth, also on 33. sent is 10th with 30 points. And then we have three teams Bovista, Vitori Stubel, and Bolinis Sad all on 29 points. Tondela, 14th with 26. Maritimu, 15th with 25. Pasust Ferreira um, are just above, they're, the f- they're the team above the relegation zone the last team before the relegation zone Pastor Fajero with 25 as well however their goal difference of negative 15 to Maritimu's negative 10 puts them down a spot and our next opponents Portimunes are 17th on 19 points they're 6 points from safety right now and are bottom of the table and it looks very unlikely that they're going to work their way out uh, with 9 matches to play with 13 points. They are 12 points from safety. The top scorers really quickly. We have Vinicius top of the table with 15 goals. PZ second with 14. Fabio Abreu of Moreirense with 10. As is Paulinho and Sandro Lima. Paulinho of Sporting Bra- Braga. Sandro Lima of Gil Vicente. Fabio Martins from Leão and is t- is is sixth with nine. His teammate Antonio Martinez or Tony Martinez is seventh with eight. Mehdi. Taremi, Bruno Fernandes, and Alex Telles, also with eight. And then we have four players, five players, tied with seven goals. And... Um that's where the goal-scoring race is right now. Let's go to the next round of matches next week. All right, round 26, which, as I said, started today, June the 9th, with Gil Vicente losing at home to Familiacão. Gil Vicente won Count 3 tomorrow, June 10th. Dia de Portugal, three matches on tap. Vitória Stubo at home at noon against Santa Clara. Noon Portugal time, of course. Um, I'm sorry, no, that's noon my time. This is set to Eastern time here. Um Porto at 215 Eastern time here on the eastern coast of the United States, seven fifteen in Portugal, Portimonense hosting Befica. And following that match is Porto hosting Maritimo. On June the 11th, the next day, we got Sad hosting Vitari Guimarães and Tondela hosting Desportiva Zavsh. On June the 12th, two days from now, on Thursday, Morirens host Chihuahua and sporting host passage Ferreira before Braga and Boavista close out the round on Friday. All right. That is gonna do it for this episode. I'll hope to be back with you this weekend to recap the Portimonense game. Um, a match Benfica have to win, but we have to keep our faith. Okay, we have to keep believing in this team. We can't give up on them now. Many are there. They're spraying. They're attacking the homes. They're attacking the bus. Um, there's a lot of desperation out there. But I'm glad to have football back, one way or the other. And. Um, I'm glad to have Benfica back even if they don't play that well. But we're going to we're going to continue to push them through and try to get them across that finish line in first place. So, until next week, I am the Mr. Mike Augustine signing off. Força Benfica, carrega Benfica. Damu 38.
0: Have a good week everybody.